Welcome to the HT Cambridge podcast. For more information, see our website, htcambridge.org.uk. Today's reading is from um, Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33, which can be found on page 980 in the Church Bibles. The parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. Please do keep that passage open. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you that you want to speak to us. Thank you, Lord, that that word is living and active. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak right into our hearts, speak into our situations, speak into our imagination, speak into our dreams, speak into our reality. We ask, Lord, for you to empower this time, Lord, um, speak and make a difference in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. Well, it's, um, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Rick Thorpe. I'm, uh, I am the Bishop of Islington, so uh, I, it's a new role. Uh, I've been in it for about eight months, and I'm still trying to get used to it. But one of the, I just want to tell you a little bit about the role, um, first of all, because it's a new thing in the Church of England. So uh, most bishops ha- look after an area um, with lots of churches in them, and they kind of care for the churches and so on. My, I don't actually have an area, so I am the Bishop of Islington, but someone else looks after Islington, and um, my role is to look after um, churches that don't exist yet. And so I, I, I'm a church planting bishop. Um, uh, if once the church is planted and, and um, established and, and starts growing, then I hand that over to an existing bishop. So I'm like a, a like a a midwife bishop, that's my kind of role. So, um, well, I'm involved in the conception of it as well, so that's where the analogy breaks down. Um, <laughs> so, um, just, uh, it's a very exciting role. The Bishop of London, who created it, um, has um, done lots of things which are very interesting about it. So the first thing is that I don't have funding going on into the future, which is part of one of the things that we expect church planters to sort out as well, that they often don't have any funding um, once they've got their um, f- first funding going, they've got to find it from somewhere else. So if, if you hear me knocking on the door um, with a plate in hand saying, please, can you give money to support this? Actually, I'm not going to. Uh, but um, you know, that's, it's part of the creativity of the role and the uncertainty of the future. Um, but actually that God calls us to step forwards in faith in terms of doing things that we can't necessarily see, but we believe are what needs to happen. And um, today, I think that God wants to, um, to speak to you Um, in lots of different ways. He'll speak to you in the scriptures. He promises to do that. He'll speak to you and reveal his general will to you. But there'll be some things today that he's going to say to a few of you in particular that um, I think are going to be profound and life-changing. 
So um, there's a group of people here I know who are taking exams. And just as I was praying for you just now, I was just um, had this sense from God that whilst your eyes are down, which they should be, you need to work hard for your exams, <laughs> um, actually, even today is going to lift your eyes up because he has a plan for your life. You might be concerned and worried about your exams and anxiety, and a, a certain amount of adrenaline's good in exams, um, keeps you kind of going. But there's something that God wants to do, which is about lifting your eyes to see what future he has for you. And this whole theme this morning is about taking small things, a seed, a little bit of yeast, and seeing what happens over a period of time. And God wants to sow in you dreams today or to ignite dreams that you've already had and just say, you can do it through God. There'll be others today who are, um, you've got dreams and you're just asking God, when is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? In my own life, um, God spoke to me in 1990 um, about um, planting lots of churches. And for 15 years, I was asking God, when is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? And I planted my first church in 2005. And since then, you know, I've been involved in church planting. And we're now seeing that grow and grow and grow. And it's, it's not that I'm doing it. It's God who makes things grow. But God calls each one of us to be involved in work that he has for us to do, whether it's inside the church, whether it's in the world, in society, whatever God is calling you to do. And just one final little thing before I get into the text. I'm going to get there, um, is that actually God is going to call some people today or affirm in you a call to, to go into full-time work in the church. And that's not for everyone. If everyone did that, there wouldn't be anyone kind of in the police force and government and teaching. You know. But actually some are going to be called to um, work in the church full-time. I have to say it's the best job in the world. I'm biased. But, um, but also particularly God's going to call pioneers here. And... Um, uh, pioneers just doing new things, bringing new things into life. And so if, if you, any of those things, if they're stirred in your heart as I'm speaking, go with it. Just say, God, you know, if you're doing something, I just submit this to you. And um, it's God who makes these things grow, but it starts with a yes from us in our hearts to say, yes, God, I want to do this. I'm, I'm prepared to, to count the cost of seeing where this is going to take me, but to do this for your glory and see amazing things happen. And I just want to say, whatever thing you do in your life, whatever area God has called you to do, if you submit yourself to God and you present yourself to God and say, God, here I am. I'm going to serve you with my life, wherever, wherever you take me, then God will do something profound in you. How do we know that? Let's look at the scriptures today. So... Jesus talks about God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He talks about the mustard seed being planted, producing something huge, a huge tree. He talks about yeast in a batch of dough having this huge impact. I just want to ask a question. What can one person do? What, what, what can I do? So I'd love to tell you a story about... I um, have led uh, a church in the east end of London for... 10 years, and I've been very inspired by some of the people who've been working there over the years. And there's one man who was an Irishman who, um, middle of the 19th century, became a Christian when he was about 16 years old, and he thought, actually, I want to become a doctor, and he had a passion for China. And so he prayed and um, just thought, I'm going to do this, so what do I need to do? I need to go to um, train as a doctor, 
uh, he came to London and started training. And he um, started, when he, during his training, he visited some of the um, uh, areas in the East End of London. Now, during that time, Victorian England, it was massively growing in London. And it, it was, you know, just um, massive population growth. Um, but at the same time, there, in the East End of London, where a lot of the new housing was happening and new, and new populations were growing, um, there was overcrowding, there was, um, there was uh, bad housing, unemployment, and poverty. And cholera was sweeping through that area. And there was something like 3,000 people who died um, over quite a short period of time from cholera alone. And um, he just saw, as he was kind of going around in his trainings, families who were just left destitute, um, children who were left uh, parentless, um, just fending for themselves, sleeping on the streets. And during his course, he, um, he visited um, the homes of the poor um, and started ministering to sick people. And he met um, uh, a boy called, um, called um, Jim Jarvis, who took him around the East End and showed him all these children who were sleeping rough. In the end, he set up this um, house. Um, he, he, he was forced, really, to decide, am I going to go to China, or am I going to do the work that is right in front of me here? And he felt he had a decision to make. It was a freedom of decision, but he said, I'm, I'm going to give my life to, to ministering to the people here. And he set up um, the, uh, let me get it right, the, I can't read it with my, with my glasses, the um, East End Juvenile Mission in Stepney. It was a, a place where he began to take in um, homeless boys. And um, they took in hundreds of boys who were just off the streets and gave them uh, food, clothing, place to stay, and, and a place to kind of move on to families who might look after them. And um, one day they actually had to say no to um, a boy called um, John Summers, nicknamed Carrots, probably because his hair was red, something like that. Um, and uh, he was turned away because the shelter was full. Two days later, they found him dead in the streets. And he put a sign up outside this house, just saying this, no destitute child ever refused admission. There's one night he was having dinner with Lord Shaftesbury, who was the great reformer um, in the 19th century. And um, he was telling Lord Shaftesbury about uh, the plight of these um, children. And Lord Shaftesbury said, you know, in our day and age, that, that can't be possible. How is, how is that possible today? And he said, it's happening. And Shaftesbury said, prove it. And he said, okay, let's go. And they got into hackney carriages and they went from West London to East London. And um, he took them to an area um, that had some tarpaulin covering boxes um, of goods and merchandise. And um, this man stuck his hand in and grabbed uh, a child by the ankle, pulled him out, said, don't worry, not the police. We're just looking, you know, we're just seeing what's going on here. And he said, is there anyone else like you here? And the little boy jumped up on the tarpaulin and jumped up and down it, making a noise. And out of just this one area of tarpaulin, 78 boys came out who were living rough. And Lord Shaftesbury was convinced. He said, I'm going to get right behind you. That man was called Thomas Bernardo. He founded the Bernardo Homes 
um, for children who um, were parentless, orphan children, taking them off the streets, giving them, giving them a new future. By the time Thomas Bernardo died in 1905, he'd set up 96 homes for destitute children, and 8,500 children were helped because of that one person. Now his legacy stays on. I just met someone from the first service who just said, I know someone who has been helped by a Bernardo home. One man who submitted himself to God and God used to bless and touch many, many thousands of people's lives. What is God calling you to, you know, to invest in with your life. In these just three short verses, first thing we see is that the kingdom of God involves huge growth that blesses many. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, Jesus said, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So Jesus is telling this story. It's a very simple, practical story of a mustard seed. A mustard seed is a tiny seed. It's like a tenth of a millimeter big. And Jesus says, if you plant that seed into good soil and it grows and it'll grow, a mustard seed will just grow into this large plant like a tree and be a blessing to all around it. Those birds in this picture is a picture of blessing. It's touching others who are outside that they can come and use what this plant is giving. God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is saying, is, is when you plant something small, it's going to grow into something big because God will make it grow. I think there are a few things out of this. You know, we, we mustn't look at ourselves and what we have to give. When you look at that compared to the needs, when you look at that compared to God, it's tiny. So it's not about how much you have to give. It's about where you plant it and how big God is and what he does with it. So it's that decision to say, God, I'm going to give you the small things that I have and let you do something extraordinary with that. It's about an attitude of saying, God, I want to give this to you. I want to give myself to you. I think another thing from this is that it takes time. When you plant a seed, it's not like instant growth. I love the story of um, a friend of mine, Charlie, who's an artist, um, stuck a, an apple uh, with a bit of sellotape onto an apple tree because um, his friend was trying to, you know, just every day was watching, you know, when's the fruit going to come? When's the fruit going to come? And he just stuck this apple on the tree. <laughs> it just takes time for things to grow. But when you plant a seed and you water it and nurture it, actually, you need to trust the process. Trust the process of growth, trust the nature, trust the biology, 
And in here, God is the one who makes things grow. I love the verse, it's a planting verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, where Paul, talking actually about unity in the church, says, I planted a seed, so the Corinthians, he actually planted the church. I planted the seed, Apollos, another um, church leader, watered it, but God is making it grow. So we are called to be a part of this. We are called to plant seeds, but it's God who makes the seed grow. We're called to get involved. We're called to be co-workers with Christ in God's work of growing his kingdom. Each one of us has a part to play in that, but it's God who makes it grow. Your part, plant seeds. His part, make it grow. I think it's something as well about being intentional about the planting. Where are you going to plant the seed? If you actually plant um, a mustard seed in the wrong place and it's going to grow into a big tree, you might have problems. So you need to be careful about where you plant these seeds. You know, every single act you do in God's name is going to touch someone's life. It's going to make a difference. So as you go into um, your college, as you go into your workplace, as you go into um, your community, whatever you do with your life, be intentional about the seeds that you plant. Those seeds might be a word spoken to someone to encourage them. It might be um, an act of kindness that is going to transform someone's life. It might be actually um, doing something that is significant in terms of a decision that you make that might be a very challenging decision for you but actually it's one that you think God is calling you to make. It might be that um, God is calling you to speak about him to someone. I had the opportunity to do that in the last service. Um, just with someone who um, actually said to me, I, I used to be a, um, a Baptist, but I'm a lapsed Baptist now. And I said, well, it might be time for you to be unlapsed. Um, you know, God, can, God wants to use you. And it starts with a relationship with him. It starts from knowing him and being known by him. I think the extraordinary thing here is that no matter how long it takes, God does something extraordinary. He, he grows something massive from something that's tiny. Um, I've seen this myself in my life. So I'm 51. Christianity works. Okay. Um, and... The thing about, um, I've seen it recently in the last 10 years in church planting. So, um, in 2004, a church called St. Paul's Shadwell had 12 people left in it. They were going to close it because it was quite close to some other churches. The people who were left in that church, um, there were 10 East End matriarchs. And if you've ever, um, if you know anything about East Ends, it's run by matriarchs. And... um, uh, they basically, it wasn't really a petition to the bishop. They, he didn't have any choice when he faced them um, about closing the church. So the bishop said, okay, I'll do something. We'll, we'll just try something as a final resort. And he invited Holy Trinity Brompton, HTB, to plant a church into, um, into St. Paul Shadwell. And my wife and I, Louis and me, we came with 100 people to um, the East End. 80 of them already lived in East London. They were commuting across to the other side of London. 20 people who were in our midweek group moved house. Um, some of them, they, you know, they said, well, we're going to plant a church with you. I think they were hoping from West London we might go into Oxfordshire or Berkshire or uh, Hampshire. They said, no, we're going to East End. Um, and they went, okay, God's called us to come with you. So um, some of them sold houses and bought houses in East London. 
And um, at that stage, it was pre the Olympic decision. It was a, a, the kind of thing where it was, it was not the right thing to do, should we say, for house, you know, for increasing your, um, your housing, uh, um, you know, the, the, the investment. But actually, a few years later, God blessed that decision, and uh, all the houses went like this. Um, and um, we went with 100. Now, you know, five years later, we had the chance to do the same thing in other churches in East London. And um, in Bethnal Green, there was a church of just 20, and we were able to seed that with a, with a group of 20, with a new leader. Um, a church of seven in Bow, again, seeded that with a family and just 10 people. Um, and um, the same in the Isle of Dogs, um, uh, Docklands, and uh, about 15 people in the church there, we sent 25. And another church in Spitalfields. And um, as a result of this church planting endeavor, 2004, the numbers going to all those churches and services were 72. In 2015, 735. So a tenfold increase from church planting. That's just in 10 years. Um, God has called us in London to start 100 new worshipping communities, 100 new churches. Over a, It was started in 2013, so uh, until 2020. The interesting thing about that, people said, you know, you, it's just, you shouldn't, it, it's not possible. We've got enough churches, it's not possible. But that argument is when you start saying, let's divide up the existing pool of Christians between new churches. And actually, there are only something like 9% of people who go to church in this country. It's not about putting new churches in that 9%. It's about starting new churches for the 91%. 91% of people who don't know Jesus Christ. 91% of people who are longing to hear. Actually, there's some, I don't know if you've seen the new statistics, um, talkingjesus.org, it's worth having a look at. Um, in there, one in five people, 20% of people um, around you want to have a conversation about Jesus with a Christian. 20%. So you look down your, your address book, you go into your college or your road, one in five want to have a conversation with you. That's, that is um, statistically um, shown again and again. They didn't believe the evidence to start with because they were, they were so surprised, people who commissioned it, and they tripled the pool. And they said, you don't need to do that. It's you know, statistically relevant already. And it came, of course, came out with exactly the same result. That does mean that the other four, you need to have, be careful in that conversation. But actually, we can do that with winsomeness, with kindness, with respect. But one in five want to have a conversation. The other statistic, you know, the other evidence that came through was people respect Christians against the media view. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's uh, people think well of Christians. They honor them, they respect them, they think well of them. Interesting what, um, you know, the media image is different to the realities on the ground. So what are you going to invest yourself in? With this 100 new worshiping communities, we're, we've done 20, we've got another 16 coming this September. Um, we'll easily get to 20, uh, 100, I think, by 2020. The interesting thing is we'll do another 100 by 2025, and this will keep growing. God is doing something new in, in London and, and across the country. Um, I've been involved in planting churches in cities just in the last few years. From 2009 to 2015, five churches were planted into city centers. 2016, another five are being planted. There is exponential growth happening in church planting and starting churches for people who don't go to church. That is what we're seeing. We're seeing this verse coming into reality. 
The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. When you plant it, it becomes, it grows and becomes a tree, a big, large garden plant that becomes a tree. So, what is he going to do with the seed that you've got? What are you going to do with the things that God has put into your heart? With your skills, your passion, but actually, perhaps the most important thing is your will. It's what you decide to do with your life. It's what you decide to do no matter what stage of life you're at. I spoke to someone who is retirement age um, at the last service, who just said, I feel I need to keep on sowing seeds. I need to keep on seeing things grow. What Jesus here is saying is that if you plant that seed in me, in Jesus, it is going to grow into something extraordinary, something beyond your imagination, and it's going to touch the lives of many people. The kingdom of God involves huge growth that blesses many people. In the second um, parable, just one verse, Jesus talks about yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. 30 kilograms of flour is about that much and that deep. So it's going to take quite a long time to work through that yeast into that whole batch of dough. I kind of imagine when I'm reading those verses... Um, forgive me women, but quite a kind of butch woman who's kind of got big muscles because you need it to knead that yeast into this dough. The, the, the idea here is that she is working. She is working hard to see that yeast work through that batch of dough. Why? That dough is going to become bread. Dough without yeast kind of gets into a... I haven't done much cooking. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but it's kind of a bit sticky and gooey and that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you put yeast in, and then what you do, you wait. You let it rise. And then you put it into the oven, and it begins to rise even further and bake to produce something very delicious. And you can just smell the, just smell the bread. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> let your imagination go. So this woman is working away. She's playing her part. And then the yeast is going to do the rest. It enables the dough to rise and enables then when it's put into the oven, the the bread rises to produce about 60 loaves of bread. From a small bit of yeast, you have a huge influence. So Jesus here is saying that God's kingdom enables huge influence that's going to impact many, many people. That's what's at the heart of this. It's the same picture, but it's from a slightly different point of view. God calls each one of us not to stay inward looking and stay inside churches and let our faith just be expressed here. As an aside, it's fantastic you're leaving the building. Many churches start growing rapaciously, hugely, when they leave buildings. And so um, I want to encourage you to go for it. Don't let the building stop you from growing, inviting friends, seeing people coming to Christ here. 
Come back, because they're great resources as well. But God wants to use you to impact the lives of many people by sending you out into the world. So what are you going to do? What are you doing in your life? What is, what is the way God is going to impact others through you? What field of influence is he, is he setting you in? Is it in the area of business or finance or teaching or um, health services or um, political um, work or in the community or um, raising children? Whatever it is, wherever God is putting you or has put you, he calls you to be like the yeast in the batch of dough, to have an influence on others. And the thing about yeast is it just, you, you don't force it to do anything. You've just got to make it connect with the dough. The yeast works on its own. If you put yourself in a place of influence um, and you say, God, I would like to be used by you to bring influence to others, he will do it. He will make it happen. You will find yourself in conversations with people or um, making decisions with others that are going to have a huge impact on others. And as soon as you submit yourself to God, you're able to do it with a God mindset. We need Christians in every sphere of society. Not just to see those people come to Christ. We'd love that. But because God wants his kingdom to reflect. He wants the world to reflect actually kingdom values in every area of society. We want godly bankers. We want godly politicians. We want godly teachers who are going to influence um, their surroundings. There's a man called Paul um, and with his wife Liz. They, um, they were based in London, um, in a central London church, and they felt, actually, we'd love to um, see how we can connect with people who are far away from church. And so they didn't just um, do that in London. They said, let's go to Lancashire. Maybe they thought, that's where people are far away from church. I don't know. But anyway. Um, so they went to, um, a f they set up a church in a farm shop um, near Preston. And um, they uh, started to um, connect with the people who were frequenting the farm shop during the week and um, on Sundays. And they, start, they found that lots of people who weren't Christians coming through and actually coming to a service that they started. And um, they found that a lot of people with addiction started um, coming to the church. They set up two AA groups in the church. And um, as a result of that, that just opened up uh, a lot of other people with addictions um, coming into contact with them um, across the board, drug addictions and so on. And uh, they met lots of ex-offenders. They were exposed to um, uh, a lot of people from the LGBTI um, community who found the love of God um, in this community of people who are unjudgmental, just beginning to um, accept those people and begin to you know, connect with God. And the extraordinary thing was that um, this, this, this church planting couple, they just said, we, we were completely out of our depth, but we started to try and work out how do you connect people with God in this context, people who felt rejected um, by the rest of society. And um, in time, they began to not just see the church grow. They said about 50 people became Christians over a six-year period. 
but hundreds of people came through their church who weren't Christians, who were exposed to the love of Christ in, in relationships and, and connections and so on. But also there was a whole lot of new works that were started in Stockport, in Preston, and so on, where, um, where it was connecting with disadvantaged people. So um, Street Pastors um, was started during that time, um, connecting with people who are um, just out on the streets and just um, in kind of difficult places in, at times of, of, of night when other people aren't around. Um, uh, connecting people with um, debt advice, with um, uh, clothing stations and so on. This is all coming out of this church. People having compassion on those around them. Extraordinary to see what happens when you take the gospel out and, and begin to see other people transformed. We are called, each one of us, to get involved, to make a difference, to be influencers like this yeast in the batch. How are you going to do that with your life? How are you doing it right now? I love the story of the, um, it's the story you'll know of this, uh, this boy who um, was on a beach and uh, it's early in the morning and there are just thousands of starfish that have been washed up on this beach. It's obviously not in England. Um, <laughs> And uh, this boy is just throwing starfish back into the ocean. And a man comes along the beach and sees him uh, doing this. And he says, what are you doing? And the boy says, I'm saving starfish. And he you know, threw um, another starfish back into the water. And the man said, well, there are thousands of starfish. It's not going to make any difference. And the boy picked up a starfish and threw it into the water and said, it made a difference for that one. And then he picked up another one, threw it into the water. It made a difference for that one. Picked up another one, threw it into the water. It made a difference for that one. And each one of us, we start with what's in front of us. The needs are huge around us. The, your vision for your life might be, gosh, I don't know how I'm even going to get there. What are that I'm dreaming about? But actually, it starts with what's next. It starts with what's in front of you. It starts with the first person who you come into contact with. It starts with them. It starts with a little act. It starts with a mustard seed planted. It starts with a woman just kneading that first bit of dough. It starts with the first step. All he wants is our willingness. saying, Lord, like Thomas Bernardo, I want to submit my life to you. And I want to see you do extraordinary things through me, whether it's small or big. But I think the interesting thing here is what Jesus is saying is you take a seed, a tiny, tiny seed, and you plant it in Jesus, and he says it's going to grow and have an impact on many, many people. You take a small amount of yeast you start playing your part, working it into a, um, a batch of dough. And it's going to have, it's going to just affect that whole batch. It's going to impact many, many people. So with your dreams, with, your, with the work you're doing, I want to encourage you today is to lay it down before God afresh and just say, God, it feels like a little seed like a mustard-sized seed, what I can do. But I know what you can do.
we have a supernatural God who's bigger than our imaginations. As soon as he fills our imagination, he's, you've got the wrong God. He's bigger than our imaginations. He wants to do extraordinary things through you. Would you like to stand? We're going to pray. All of us can do acts of kindness. Anyone can do that. Anyone can do nice things, good things. But actually, when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, when you're empowered by a supernatural God, you can do extraordinary things. So we're just going to pray that God will come and fill us. And I want to encourage you, I find this helpful myself, you don't have to do it, but if you, you might want to do it, which is just putting your hands out in front of you. As um, This is like body language to God, saying, God, I want to offer you the little I've got. You can look at your hands and there's not a lot there. Um, but also, I want to receive from you. And it's something about submitting ourselves to him. I'm open-handed before God. And Lord, I want to give you what I have. And I want to um, lay it before you. And I want to receive from you. So, Father, thank you that you're here by your spirit. Thank you that we can know you through Jesus and all that he's done for us. And we pray, Father, that you would send your spirit. Fill us with your supernatural presence. Take the little seeds that we have and grow them into something extraordinary. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait. to encourage you in the quiet just to dream dreams to think about the perhaps things that he's sown into your own heart ideas about what you want to do with your life and just give them to him Lord, we pray that you'd empower us to do extraordinary things.